Hey, I figured it's been a while since I put that music on the intro. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Evan Brand, board-certified holistic nutritionist, certified functional medicine practitioner, and nutritional therapist. I'm chatting today with a new friend of mine, Elle Russ. She's an author. You may have read her book before, The Paleothyroid Solution. Great book. I recommend it to a lot of my clients. However, she is not using thyroid natural desiccated thyroid like she promotes in this book anymore with the help of a ketogenic diet she's been able to address the root cause and fix her metabolism and get her thyroid back in check and that's something i see all the time you know a lot of people say hey should i go on this should i go on that my endocrinologist wants to put me on thyroid meds do i really need to do that and the answer in most cases, I would say 95% of the cases that I see, the answer is no, because there's root causes that have not been addressed. For example, I'm running a lot more blood testing, especially on my female clients that are coming into the door with me here, because and when I say door, if you're new to the show, I run a virtual uh, telemedicine clinic. So this is phone and Skype consults. But when I'm doing my new client calls, I'm running a lot more blood because I'm suspecting so much with autoimmunity these days. And almost every time I guess and then I check via the blood, I find antibodies. We're talking in the 50s. We're talking in the hundreds, which is 10, 20, 50 times higher than you want with your TPO and your TG antibodies on your thyroid lab. You want your TPO, your TG antibodies to be as minimal as possible. TG, you want those below five if possible. TPO antibodies, that'd be great if you could see those below 10, but if those are below five as well, that's awesome. I know you uh, listeners in Canada, it's tough for your general practitioners up there to even run TPO and TG antibodies. I'm sorry for the frustration up there that you cannot get those labs run. But if you're talking with your endocrinologist, you're talking with your conventional doctor, your integrative, your supposedly functional or integrative doctor, if they're not running TPO, TG antibodies, they're wasting your time with your thyroid. Please don't go on thyroid drugs just because they see something that's off with your TSH and they say you need to be put on levothyroxine thyroxine or Synthroid or something like that. It's just not a full picture. You got to have a full picture first. If you get put on thyroid drugs just because of your TSH being a bit elevated, which indicates hypothyroidism, that's like touching the sidewalk and estimating the forecast. It's just highly inaccurate and it's not the complete picture. So when I do a full workup with someone, especially my females, we're going to be looking at these antibodies. We're going to be looking at free T3. We're going to be looking at reverse T3 as well, which is something that most practitioners practitioners do not run and they're not educated on. Now, reverse T3 is basically a blank bullet, right? So you've got this revolver and and three of the chambers there, you've got real bullets and two of the chambers, you've got reverse T3. And when you go to pull that trigger and your thyroid is sucking up the hormone and you're basically trying to activate your metabolism, if reverse T3 is elevated, that's an inactive form of thyroid hormone. Now, why does this go up? Well, there's different reasons. Gut infections are a big one. This is why I run a stool test on every female. So bacterial overgrowth, yeast overgrowth, parasitic infections, these all can elevate reverse T3. Also, calorie cutting. Also, not getting enough fat. Also, CrossFit training or any type of intense exercise. I talked with a female yesterday, and she's had a a weird menstrual cycle and some other symptoms that tell me some thyroid adrenal issues are going on. Even before testing, I can figure this stuff out. And she said she's doing CrossFit nearly every day, six to seven days a week. That's insane. And I said, look, you've got to cut this down at least by 50%. 
the duration's got to get shorter, maximum of 30 minutes. The intensity has to drop as well because your body's smart. Your body doesn't want you to die. And so when you're exercising very intensely, you're telling your body, look, we're running from a tiger. Who knows when we're going to eat again? We could be in the desert for all we know, running from a tiger or a lion. And now all of a sudden, there's no food. We're hiding under a tree for a week, right? Reverse T3 is going to go up naturally during intense times of exercise because our DNA, our nervous systems are wired to protect us. And so the last thing you want is an active thyroid when you're running from a bear or a tiger or a lion. However, CrossFit exercise is simulating the same thing to your nervous system. Your brain doesn't know the difference between CrossFit and running from a tiger. So when that happens, that reverse T3 goes up, which then slows down the metabolism so that you can preserve body fat. Now, of course, if you're listening to this show, you don't want to preserve body fat. You want to be lean and mean. Well, if you're doing intense exercise, you've got gut infections, you've got Epstein-Barr or some other type of virus that's not been identified yet, you've not found all of your root causes then that's why that reverse T3 will be high, therefore keeping you in a reserve storage mode of your body fat. Until you fully address the thyroid hormones with all of these combined together, you may spin your wheels with weight loss efforts. And so this is why people come to me after they've been to five or 10 or 20 practitioners and they say, look, I've done paleo, I've done primal, I've done AIP, and I've still not moved the weight. Well, that's probably because there's some puzzle pieces that have just not been put on the table yet. And this is where I come in or another functional medicine practitioner that you hire comes in to put all these puzzle pieces on the table. Now, I don't name drop on the show, but I've had a lot of people recently come from very high dollar, well-known, well-respected functional medicine practitioners with books written and bestsellers and all of that. And I look at the lab work they've done and it's still an incomplete picture. And I'm just shocked. It's like, wow, you would think these people got it figured out. However, they're still missing some of these very important and what I consider basic or foundational biomarkers like ferritin and iron saturation and things like that to look for anemias as well. That's also another big part. And then making sure we're getting hydrochloric acid, making sure we're restoring enzyme function, making sure that you don't have H. pylori infections, which is suppressing your hydrochloric acid in the gut. Therefore, you're not breaking down your food. So you've got extra fat in the stool. You've got floating stools, etc. If you're not digesting your food, that's another thing that can mess up the thyroid because you've got to have these raw materials, these amino acids that come from your proteins, from your pastured meats that you're eating, you're spending your hard-earned money on. If you're not digesting well because you've got infections, you're kind of spinning your wheels once again. So this is why I look at the gut, I look at the thyroid, I look at detox markers. You've got to have all the puzzle pieces on the table. I'm sure I could go on and on and just make this an entirely awesome rant podcast, but I'm going to stop here and I'll just say there is hope. You definitely can get your antibodies down. You can absolutely reverse Hashimoto's. You can absolutely go from 500 with your antibodies to normal range. And you can prevent your body from creating this autoimmune attack. It's totally possible. I do it every single week in the clinic. As long as you get all the puzzle pieces identified, which can be troublesome if someone is not educated in all of these tests, yes, you could spin your wheels, but I promise there are answers there is hope for you. So hang in there. 
get the labs run. If you want to work with me, you can just visit my website, evanbrand.com. I've hired a nutritional therapy practitioner named Megan. I'll have her on the show pretty soon to introduce herself, but she's now doing my introductory calls, those 15-minute calls, because I've been so booked up that I just don't want to have you wait three or four weeks to be seen. I really want to shorten that timeline and get you in sooner so I can get you feeling better. So Megan, she'll be taking care of those introductory calls. So you'll chat with her about your symptoms, your goals, and we'll make sure you're a good fit for care and then we'll get you taken care of. So that's the only change clinically. Everything else is the same. So visit evanbrand.com to learn more. Now let's chat with L. Russ. I hope you enjoy. L. Russ is a writer, health life coach, and host of the Primal Blueprint podcast. She's becoming the leading voice of thyroid health in the burgeoning evolutionary health movement, also referred to paleo, primal, ancestral health. Elle is a certified primal health coach and serves on the advisory board of the Primal Health Coach program created by Mark Sisson. Originally from downtown Chicago, Elle lives and plays in a much sunnier and happier, probably uh, more vibrant place in Chicago, now Malibu, California. And you can learn more about her at her website, lrus.com. L wrote The Paleo Thyroid Solution, which is the book that my wife got me for Christmas. And I emailed L and I was like, wow, you're freaking awesome. And she consulted with over two dozen endocrinologists, internal medicine specialists, general practice MDs, but her thyroid condition was only getting worse. And nothing from doctors resembled a solution or even hope. And exasperated and desperate, L took control of her own health and resolved two severe bouts of hypothyroidism on her own, including an acute reverse T3 problem, which I definitely want to hear about, through a devoted paleoprimal lifestyle, intensive personal experimentation, and a radically modified approach to thyroid hormone replacement therapy. Elle went from fat, foggy, and fatigued to fit, focused, and full of life. Elle, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Hey, so when we emailed each other, you said, hey, Evan, I've also got some updates for you. And after I read your book, I was like, wow, uh, natural desiccated thyroid is like the most genius invention ever. That is so amazing. It is. Now, you're not even using it anymore. Is that right? Right. Well, and you know, uh, I wish this had happened while I was writing my book, because then it would have been even further proof. And I'll hopefully add it to a second edition. And I'll be talking about it more in podcasts. But um, as we speak, I've been off of all thyroid hormones for four months. I was on T3 only, actually, for four years before I got off of thyroid hormone recently. Um, and the reason I was on T3 only was because I had a reverse T3 issue that was unresolved by all of the other protocols, and it was the only way to resolve it. So getting off of thyroid hormone was never an intentional thing because my thyroid has been suppressed, essentially in a coma, for 13 years. And it was unlikely that it would kind of come back into function. The fact that it did is amazing. It proves my, you know, books theories even further, but also it was something that was an absolute accident. And that's a whole interesting thing about how that accident came into being. I was essentially looking forward to transition from T3 only back to natural desiccated thyroid because it's more optimal. Um, and T3 only, and we can get into this later if you'd like, but it's extremely problematic. It's a lifesaver, but it is extremely problematic and a pain in the ass. Oh. So um, after a while, it's very frustrating. And once you've resolved all the under, uh, underlying issues of reverse T3, you can attempt to go back 
on a T4 containing medication such as natural desiccated. And that was my goal. And I was on my way to doing that when this happened. So I'm doing great. Um, I feel amazing. I've gotten several blood tests. Uh, I'm going to be due for another one next week. But during the past four months, I also have been doing a heavy metal detox. Uh, We found in the end that um, one of the tests we didn't do was heavy metals. I had very high mercury. As you know, that's a mitochondrial nightmare. And so we wanted to look at that last remaining thing that can really screw up thyroid function. And I did have a silver filling in my mouth still, and I recently got it removed and replaced and then have been going through a natural collation process, taking some supplements. And so that's really what I've been doing right now. And I feel that that's pretty amazing. I have zero hypothyroid symptoms. I feel incredible. And my TSH and free T4 were absolutely normal when I first got tested, but there was still a little bit of a reverse T3 thing going on. So I upped selenium and I looked at the heavy metals and, you know, I'm assuming that the tests will be perfectly normal next time I take them. And if they're not, I'm not opposed to taking thyroid hormone again, but I believe if I have to take it, it's in my gut that it would be a very microdose of T3 if I need anything at all. Wow, that is amazing. So I know we have to unpack a lot of this. Right. <laughs> let, let's So let's go backwards a bit. With the thyroid hormones, how did you even know back when to, to go on thyroid hormones and to start? I mean, in your book, by the way, which people should definitely pick up a copy, uh, you go into extreme detail about the dosing of all this stuff and how you're manipulating and modifying the dosage after you start to notice things. I mean, talk about a freaking wizard you were with your your dosing of this stuff. Highly impressive. How did you even know, okay, I need a little bit more of this or no, this is too much or oh, I need to back it down. Like, How, how did you even gain the, the wisdom to be able to do that? You know, that's a, that's a, t- a good question. It took a lot more wisdom and tinkering with T3 only than it did when I was on natural desiccated. So I had two bouts of hypothyroidism 10 years. The first one, just horrible hypothyroidism, undiagnosed. Had I known what we know now, I would have probably just adopted those protocols and I would have been fine. But there wasn't any information out there. Paleo wasn't even a thing. No one really knew about the adrenal connections or iron or any of this stuff. So I went undiagnosed for two years, had a slew of symptoms. It started with abnormal menstrual bleeding. People kept putting me on the birth control pill. You know, this goes back to slapping a solution, a Band-Aid on a symptom, not looking at the root cause, of course. I didn't ask the question either. What's causing me to all of a sudden be an abnormally bleeding female at the age of 30? You know, so I have a part in that too. I didn't ask, I didn't investigate. Let me pause you there. What do you mean abnormally bleeding? Were you just having an irregular cycle? Was it shorter, longer? Were you kind of like spotting all of a sudden in between cycles? I was getting my period every couple of weeks and I started bleeding all the time. And what had happened is a fibroid and a polyp had developed on my uterine lining, which I didn't know. I also was misdiagnosed with polycystic ovarian syndrome. Here's why I bring that up. So someone's like, well, how could you get misdiagnosed with polycystic ovarian syndrome? Did I have it? No, yes. I'll explain why. So, for example, if you were a gynecologist and you were looking at that ultrasound, you would have absolutely said, this girl has polycystic ovarian syndrome. It, It looked exactly like the profile of someone with that disease. However, no one asked what caused it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So I was yeah. I was misdiagnosed with that. I'm glad I didn't go down that train. I eventually figured it out. But the whole point is, if you remain hypothyroid and undiagnosed for a period of time, you will get a disease you otherwise would not have gotten 
in a non-hypothyroid state. And so then you get these other diseases and then doctors are trying to slap band-aids and trying to correct all these other problems and they're not looking at the main root. And one of the things I always tell people, especially if I meet a psychiatrist somewhere, I say, hey, you got to test everyone's thyroid. Anyone coming in with a mental disorder, bipolar, depression, absolutely needs to get that checked out. How many of these people in the world go into a psychiatrist, they're depressed, they give them Prozac, that'll work for three months and then it won't work. So so many things are, you know, obviously, as you know, affected by this, but I, I was bleeding all the time. Now, no doctor even thought to say, well, she's bleeding a lot. Maybe we should test her iron. So right here I am bleeding. I'm having these gynecological issues. I have 30 plus symptoms at this point, And I put them in my book and they were all a nightmare. I kept getting fatter and fatter and fatter. I'm 5'2". I was about 17% body fat and about 110 to 115 pounds, pretty good fighting weight and, you know, body composition. And I went up to about 160 and that was working out two hours a day, uh, eating, you know, less than 1200 calories. Now I wouldn't do that now because I know that that was a backfire and I shouldn't have continued to work out, uh, as I was exhausting my adrenals. But at the end of the day, I mean, my doctors were just like, eat, eat, eat less and move more. And I'm like, I'm working out all the time. I don't understand. And then they just kept putting me on the pill. And then I bleed through the pill. They put me on another one, went through four pills. And all that doctor was testing was the TSH. Um, and if we don't know about that already, your audience probably should, but the TSH is a 1973 thyroid test that is absolutely useless on its own in every way. And people remain undiagnosed and sick for 20, 30 years because of this test. So that was my problem too. Um, I didn't look into it. My doctor said, your thyroid's fine. Finally, after two years, I, and all this money I'd spent trying to figure out what was wrong with me, I went to a famous hormone doctor in Beverly Hills. It cost like $600 just for the appointment. They finally tested free T3 and it was way below the range. And finally someone said, oh my gosh, you are severely hypothyroid. And that's when I was like, all right, well, you know what? Every doctor's failed me. I've talked to all these people. And then I would try to get treated. I knew that I wanted to go the natural desiccated route. Doctors would neither put me on enough. They weren't treating me appropriately with that. And I knew that if I were to get better, I had to take it in my own hands. So I started to order my own thyroid hormones. And I would use doctors and my insurance to get blood tests. But then I wouldn't care what they said about them. And I went along the path of doing it myself. Now I did have the help of fellow thyroid patients from a, from a Yahoo group called the natural thyroid hormone Yahoo group. And that was started by a fellow thyroid author named Janie Bothorpe, who wrote stop the thyroid madness and has a website of the same, which is probably the best website for thyroid health out there. It's called StopTheThyroidMadness.com. But before she had the website and before she wrote the book, her and a bunch of other thyroid sufferers were trying to offer an online platform for people that weren't getting answers from their doctors. And they had been through it already. So they knew. And one of the big things that they, they taught me was they told me that I really needed to look at my ferritin, my iron storage. When I got that tested, it was 10 wow. out of 0 to 150. I had horrible restless legs. I had a million other symptoms involved with that. And that was my first thing where I was like, all right, these, these women know, they, they know what they're talking about. Why don't other doctors know about this? 
you know, because you can put anyone on thyroid hormone replacement, but it will not work unless there's proper iron storage. So that was a connection that was very important at the time. I looked more into it on my own. I started to supplement with iron at the same time that I started natural desiccated thyroid. And then I just started to get better and better and better. And then I was doing great. However, I still didn't know about paleoprimal fat adaptation or any of the stuff. It wasn't really in the, in the, the online situation back then. And so even though I had gotten on thyroid hormone replacement, felt better, all my symptoms are gone. Now I'm trying to lose the weight. I achieved a lot of that, but I still felt this awful food obsession, struggle issue. Um, I still didn't understand. I thought that whole paradigm of eating every two, three hours, which is, as you know, a horrible glucose dependent state. I thought that's what was what you had to do. I'm not saying that caused it later, but about six years after being on natural desiccated thyroid, I thought I was fine. Um, and then I had a very stressful year and here's how stress comes into play. And then suddenly I started to get really fat again and I started to have hypothyroid symptoms. And one of the ones that was indicative was on my index finger. Uh, I had dry cracked skin that would show up and that's a very hypo indicator. And I thought that's interesting. And I, I, didn't even think it could be hypothyroidism because I was on thyroid hormone replacement, right? How could this even happen? And I went to my doctor at the time. I had found a doctor after I got better who was a DO and she really seemed to know what she was talking about. Um, and she actually was willing to learn. She didn't know about the ferritin connection. And then she started testing her patients. And I thought, oh, great. I found this awesome doctor that's willing to hear me out, is open to new information. And so she tested my thyroid and she's like, your, your thyroid's fine. And she missed a couple things on there. Um, but then when I really discovered what might be wrong and I suspected it might be a reverse T3 problem through research, I had her test my reverse T3 and do all the appropriate tests. When it came back and it was obvious I had a severe reverse T3 problem, I told her how it could be corrected. And when I told her how it could be corrected through the use of T3 only, and that's something I wanted to try if natural protocols didn't work, she literally threw up her hands and looked at me and said, oh, Elle, this is too complicated. <clears throat> and I write about this in my book because I said back to her, I go, too complicated? So medical school wasn't complicated. So the organic chemistry tests on the MCAT weren't complicated, but this is you know, and to just be kind of given the middle finger to a doctor that I thought you know, and here I am again now, you know, in a decade going, <clears throat> I'm left in the dust here. I got nobody. I walked out of her office and I bawled my eyes out in the car because I knew for the second time in 10 years, I was on my own again. Then I reached out to about 25 more doctors in LA and asked all of them if they'd be willing to help treat my reverse T3 problem with T3 only. All of them told me, no way. We don't do that. You're going to kill yourself. It's dangerous. And again, how was I to even trust the medical community? They failed me the first time. The, the book and what was my Bible through going through the T3 only journey is an amazing book, one of its kind. I don't think anyone's written a book this elaborate on the subject of just T3 only and reverse T3. And that is a fellow patient in England named Paul Robinson. And he wrote a book called Recovering with T3. Now, this is a guy who for like his whole life has had an intolerance to T4. And nobody detected it until like 20 years later. And to this day, I think he says he can only still even tolerate about 10 micrograms of T4. So this is a person who kind of has a natural inherent somehow inability 
to tolerate that. And that was a very painful process for him to figure that out. But his book is very scientific based and he did all of these blood tests and cortisol experiments with his doctor, with T3, and he has really helped save lives. And so I really suggest his book to anyone who's exhausted all of the reverse T3 protocols and might have to go to a T3 only dosing protocol. I would get his book because that was extremely helpful. Those are great resources. Let me ask you about the ferritin. Being at a 10, a lot of times, you know, I'll see things like hair loss, breathlessness, things like that. Did you experience those symptoms too? I'm really glad you mentioned the breathlessness. It's one of the biggest things that I notice in people just out in the world. And if I hear it or see it, I immediately bring up ferritin and, and B12. So it's, it's, it's what people have described as air hunger. It's like no matter how much and how deep you breathe in, you can't get it quenched. It's like you can't still get, catch your breath. And it's not like you become, um, hyperventilating. It's just that you can't catch your breath. Or if you're walking uphill and you're out of breath too quickly, or you climb a flight of steps, that is a real indicator of, of low iron. It heavy legs. That is a big one. Restless legs at night is a big indicator, but also heavy legs. So feeling like you have cement legs, that's not only a hypo symptom, but it's a ferritin one. The other thing I've noticed with low ferritin, because I've had it a couple times in my life, is aside from the brain fog, the exhaustion, um, and hair falling out and, you know, dry cracked skin on, you know, your fingers or heels. Another thing is um, a little bit TMI, but any kind of sexual anything. So if you notice that your vaginal secretions are different or weird or that you're not as horny or that maybe orgasms are even less strong. I noticed that and I thought that was interesting. So anything down there is also related to all of this. Um, When I look back at that initial doctor, I wanted to check the results to see if he had tested ferritin. He did. Um, The thing is, is that it was within the range and it was 30 at the time. But that should have been a big warning sign because as you know, if you tested someone's ferritin and it was 30 in that range, you'd be like, "Uh uh-oh, they're headed for trouble. So for those out there, really optimal is between 50 and 100. If you have over 100 or really high ferritin, I also want to alert people that is a sign of inflammation. And so that's another factor. So ferritin, you know, that was huge. I would have never probably gotten better had I not discovered this. And not one doctor tested or if they did, they didn't notice. And nobody seemed to ask, gee, she's been bleeding abnormally all this time. We should probably look at her iron. So that's a huge thing. And if you're a female, a menstruating female who works out and is very active, you tend to lose more iron than most people. So it's something you really need to keep up on in life, you know? That's great. Now, w- with the the ferritin, do you take any iron supplements now or do you feel like your digestion's better and all that so you feel like you're maintaining a n- normal ferritin anyway? Well, it's interesting. About a year ago or so, uh, I had I had some inflammation going on. Like, we talked about when you were on our, our podcast, sometimes no amount of paleo primal anything can fix some underlying things that went awry while you were in a disease state. So there were some things that were discovered afterwards, even after I got better thyroid wise, health wise, I needed to address I had excess fibrinogen, excess fibrin in my body, I had high homocysteine. So I had to address all these inflammatory factors. And I also had very high ferritin, it was like 145 out of 150. So throughout that process, once all that got down, my ferritin is now at least as of recently was about 65. I do not take iron. And I want to throw this out there, you know, hypothyroid patients are often classically low in vitamin D, ferritin and B12 and all sorts of other stuff. But 
once you get out of a hypothyroid state, your body is able to hold on to these nutrients. You know, it's not like you have to keep taking iron forever. You know what I mean? So I, I, I did supplement iron a couple times in my life, but now I sort of just test it and keep up with it. And since I'm not hypothyroid, even when I was on medication, cause you know, if you're on medication and your hypothyroidism is under control, then you're not hypothyroid. So those people, you tend to digest better. As you know, when you're hypothyroid, you create less hydrochloric acid. Therefore you're not breaking down the food. Therefore it's not getting absorbed, etc. And so your body will hold onto these things once you get it out of an inflammatory hypothyroid state. So I don't, it's something I'll always watch and I'll test it a couple times a year. I don't, I don't think I'll have to probably supplement with iron moving in the future. And if I do, you know, it would probably be a couple days during bleeding days or something if my ferritin gets below a certain mark. But again, I'm always sort of watching it. That's great. Yeah. What I've used for lack or for ferritin is lactoferrin. I don't know if you've heard of that. I think it comes from whey, actually. I believe they somehow they specially process it. So even like people with dairy sensitivity, I've been able to use it. I know there's. Like- I, I found that the the best form, at least at least that thyroid patients sort of have talked about, is ferrous bisglycinate chelate. And no, probably no constipation because it's a chelate. I'm guessing there's no constipation. The only thing people do have to look out for with iron is that your stools at some point during the process will become black and tar-like in its appearance, and that's normal. But it's something that you know you kind of need to know about. There is no constipation with that, and I warn people against. Some other irons, just people were like, well, I'm going to try to get it naturally. And, you know, sometimes when you're in that state, that's just not going to do it. It's the same thing with selenium. If someone in a has poor gut health and they're hypothyroid and they're like, oh, I'll just eat a couple Brazil nuts a day. <laughs> that is so, it's like, no, hit the supplement. At that point, you need to go right to the, you know, SE methyl L-selenocysteine and get on that, you know. So yep. again, back to that absorption and the digestion. So sometimes, you know, you need the supplement. And um, yes, you could cook out, out of an iron skillet and you can do other things to improve the iron. But if you're that low... I've seen only that true supplementation will raise it. Yep. I'm so glad you say that. I I hear that all the time. That's like the most popular trendy thing. Get your selenium, only three Brazil nuts per day. It's like, ah, I'm not going to put my faith into Brazil nuts. I mean, sure, they they probably have it, but I mean, good Lord, that's, that's, it's like playing Russian roulette with your trace minerals there. I just don't trust it. I'm I'm with you. And and, you know, how quickly do you want to get better? Right. So it's like, uh, hit that the way that you can. So yeah, often thyroid patients become deficient in lots of different nutrients as a result of being hypothyroid. And it's important to, to look at all of those as well. And you're saying mainly they're becoming deficient just because digestion is so compromised that you're not able to assimilate most of your nutrients or is there other things at play? I'm assuming there's probably lots of other things at play and you could probably speak to them even more intelligently than I can. But of course, you know, um, so for example, even your own thyroid hormones won't, if you're a normal person and you have normal thyroid function, you can actually create a thyroid problem by letting your thyroid, you know, hormones get to your ferritin get too low and also selenium and things like that. Yeah. When I looked back, I actually did a spectrosol test at one point. This is in between my first bout and my reverse T3 and I had a selenium deficiency. And here's the thing. I'm sure I took selenium for like a couple of weeks and then I was probably like, whatever. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And as, as, as a crappy patient then. And, um, I am not, I wouldn't be surprised if that absolutely contributed to among other things, the reverse T3 problem that I ended up getting. 
Uh, so you- again, you know, low selenium, these kind of things. I mean, this is why optimizing all these things can really turn this around. Even in six to eight weeks, it can turn labs around. Hashimoto's people's antibodies can drop. People can feel better. I've seen such amazing transformations in just six to eight weeks of following a very strict paleo primal slash optimizing nutrients protocol. I believe it. And that's something, so I formulated a multi and part of the formulation was to put chromium in there as well for blood sugar support because so many people have issues with it. And then also putting in the 200 mics of selenium, just because I just don't want to trust that someone is going to get it from the diet. So, I mean, like a lot of times with multis, you're going to get your B's and your C's and stuff. I, I feel like a lot of most multis, if you're trying to just do a one a day approach, even then you're probably going to get a, a crappy version of selenium. It's not going to be a glycinate or it's not going to be a chelate with your zincs and such. And then you're just, you're kind of wasting your money really. I'm sure you had to do some investigation to figure out, well, is this stuff even quality? I mean, cause not all selenium is going to be created equal, for example. That's true. And the form that is considered like 80% absorbable is S-E-methyl-L-selenocysteine. And that one is really used by a lot of thyroid patients. And also I want to say this. So when you're on thyroid hormone replacement, it's pretty optimal if at least at first for the first several months that you're on 400 micrograms a day. In my case, when I got off thyroid hormone and still had a little bit of reverse T3 issue, my functional doctor, the doctor in my book was like, you need to up the selenium to 600 micrograms a day. There are people that sometimes take 1,000. Now, I don't suggest anyone do that without a doctor's guidance, but I'm here to tell you that that is such a key nutrient. If there's one thing anyone can do out there, get the right form and take 200 micrograms a day You know, for, for a while, and then maybe you parse it out and take it a couple times a week, and you can get it through, obviously, sardines, and you can throw in some Brazil nuts, but like we said, not the way to get up levels. So selenium is such a key nutrient in the conversion of T4 to T3. And that's why, especially for reverse T3 problems, it's really important to uh, make sure that's prime. So what'd you discover about reverse T3? I mean, what all what all was in your, your stress bucket that was contributing to that? Were there, were there gut issues as well? Or what all would you say now, looking back, was the reason your, your uh, reverse T3 was elevated? It was diet and lifestyle because, again, I still didn't know about the paleoprimal lifestyle. So I'm assuming it was adrenal, you know, slash nutrient deficient related. I was a cigarette smoker at the time. Uh, I was going through a stressful year and I I feel like I probably smoked a lot of cigarettes, drank a lot of coffee, didn't, you know, probably really do what I needed to do nutrient wise. I probably blew off supplements and, you know, just got comfortable thinking like, oh, yeah, well, whatever I'm taking every day in the form of thyroid hormones is all I need. Uh, you know what I mean? Yep. And Again, just, you know, I, I'm I'm so glad I made all of these mistakes because uh, I can help others now. So the reverse T3 thing was really tricky because, again, I was on my own treating myself with T3 only, which doctors were telling me I would kill myself and give myself a heart attack. Yeah, so I was gonna you can ask, only imagine. Yeah, I was going to ask, what what is the cause of death that they're saying is going to happen if you did T3? Doctors are extremely scared of T3 only, particularly if it's not slow-release T3, and I was using direct T3. So here's here's the difference. So slow-release T3 has got a slow-release component compounded into it where you take it every, you know, 8-12 hours, right, and it will kind of give off a steady, you know, dose of T3 throughout the day. This makes doctors feel much better because direct T3 peaks and dissipates within four hours. So their point of view is a patient compliance if, a, if or if a patient, you know, if I 
got into an accident, I'm in a coma. Someone would need to know that I'm on T3 because things could go really wrong if you go 24, 48 hours without it. The other thing was is that doctors, because T3 increases heart rate. So T3 is the only biologically thyroid active thyroid hormone out there, just so everyone knows that. You could give anyone as much Synthroid as you want, which is a T4-only medication, and it could never work unless it's converted into the thing that matters, which is T3. Why are people so scared of T3? Because it's so powerful. It is in charge of every metabolic in our process in our body, from brain function to sex hormones to temperature to pulse. So, for example, someone who's hyperthyroid, whose body creates more T3. These people are shaky, sweaty, high heart rate, very dangerous, could have a heart attack. There's where that meme comes in with the other doctors. And they're overproducing T3 so much that, you know, they're often sweaty, inability to gain weight, uh, often like increased bowels. And um, there's lots of other symptoms, but that can be very dangerous because you could have a heart attack. So doctors were scared of giving T3 because they felt like you could get a heart attack. The thing is that if you have no T3 in your body, you need it. <laughs> you know what right. I mean? And it will only kill you if you overdose it. And you, it, it, when you're dealing with T3 only, you never just take 50 micrograms as a starting dose. You have to build up a little bit to that. You So, you know, if you're smart about it and conservative about dosing T3, you do it in incremental ways. Now, it's a complicated process because you have to test like pulse and temps and blood pressure several times a day. And these things are all applicable. And it's a very intuitive process that no doctor could even sort of be with you on because you can't talk to your doctor 24 hours a day and tell them everything that's happening day to day. Right. So it's a scary individual thing versus being put on, um, a slow release T3. So most doctors, who even use T3 will only use slow release T3. And sometimes this is a problematic thing. So sometimes, so as you know, and in general, our bodies don't dish out everything you need in terms of thyroid hormones once a day in the morning, like for the rest of the day. It's a process. Your body senses when you need your pituitary senses when your body is low in thyroid hormones. It'll send the signal, the TSH to the thyroid to wake it up to produce the thyroid hormones. And then hopefully it does its job correctly. Um, so in the case of T3 only, it's a really difficult situation because you're, you have to make the decisions for yourself as to when your body needs T3. No human can actually do that, but you can do it via detectable things like pulse, heart rate, temps, and things like this and symptoms. Um, and so it's a very tricky process that most doctors would be completely unwilling to let a patient do. Um, and they don't even do it themselves. But the reason it's problematic sometimes to do the slow release is that it's hard for people with adrenal issues that come along with thyroid to really see and dictate what might work for them. So for example, when I dose T3, I didn't dose evenly dose throughout the day. I, I did a tailored dose strategy. So I had more in the morning, a little bit less five hours later, and so on. So slow release T3 would be an even keel dose of T3 throughout the day. And that might not necessarily be optimal either and is not necessarily endocrine mimicry. So there's problems with that. It also has worked for several people to go on slow release T3 for a while, reverse the, reverse the reverse T3 problem, fix up and shore up any underlying nutrient deficiencies, and then they can go back to a hormone containing T4. But I'm here to tell you, 
You don't need T4 to live. I had none of it in my body for four years. Okay, so this is why the testing of endocrinologists of solely looking at looking at looking at, looking at TS the dumbest, most malpractice way of treating thyroid hormone. I cannot even express. I, 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 it's it's horrific. Say that in my one opinion. more time, just to make sure we understand. Say it again. That's right. So most endocrinologists, which by the way, worst people to see for thyroid health, hands down. But aside from that. Most endocrinologists and doctors will only test TSH and T4. So they're not even testing the thing that matters, which is free T3. Is the T4 they're getting converting into the thing that matters? T3 is the only thing that matters. T4 is useless on its own unless it converts into that biologically active hormone T3. And just to give everyone an idea of how powerful T3 is, it is the only fat burning hormone really in our body. It's like the main one. So if you care about fat burning, you better care about the health of your thyroid. If you were to look up T3, Cytomel, that's the, the brand name, or Lyothyronine Sodium, which is the technical name for that, if you were to look that up online, about 50,000 bodybuilding websites come up. They might be like, what the hell is going on here? <laughs> well, here's why. So these guys, which is a really dumb move that they do, but this is what they do, before they have a competition and they need to burn as much fat as they can so they look as lean as possible, they will overtake, they will like completely overtake their thyroid. They will jam themselves and cycle themselves with T3 only for about six to eight weeks. Oh, it, it, it yeah, now it's, it's, it's not smart. They, if you, if you look it up online, you'll see it all. And they do a, c a couple things too. They, they combine it with some other things. This is a real dumb metabolic effery situation that no one should do, but it goes to show you how important T3 is. Yeah. It is the ultimate fat burner. Now, people might go, oh, well then I'll just go out and get some T3 and start taking it. Good luck. It'll backfire. This is a Goldilocks situation. <laughs> you know, we're, we're meant to be about 98.6 average in the afternoon in our temps. And there's a reason why, you know, there's now not that 98.4 to 98.6 wouldn't be normal. There's there variances, but there's a reason for this kind of average of humans, right? We've got enzymatic processes and things going in the body. Can't not too hot, not too cold, right? Same with hypo, hyperthyroidism. You're too hot, too much metabolic action going around, a lot of inflammation, you know, and, and other things going on. In fact, someone can eventually get very fat from hyperthyroidism. And a good example of that is Missy Elliott, the rapper. She had Graves' disease. And people were like, what, her? But she's overweight. Well, because your metabolic rate increases, then you end up eating more food. The high metabolic rate of being hyperthyroid screws up cortisol and blood glucose management. So that can be a problem. And then too low being hypothyroid, again, another problem where now you're, you're in a disease state as well. And it's going to foster problems and things are going to show up. And again, people get misdiagnosed, but you know, it's either infertility or uh, fibroid tumors, polycystic ovarian syndrome, anything gynecological related is usually shows up right away with, with hypothyroidism. So um, anyway, back to the reverse T3 thing. I, I was on my own again <laughs> on that one. And so I figured it out with the help of Paul Robinson's book and my own research and then I was good to go. And then four years afterwards, um, went down the paleo path. I started to notice that I was decreasing my T3 like in half. And then actually recently I went super low carb, kind of pretty, pretty ketogenic. And actually that's what enabled me to get off the T3, um, and, and, and fix my thyroid. And that's a whole kind of 
advanced discussion of why I think that's the case. But it was interesting because it is true. If you work to resolve these underlying issues, you can fix a thyroid problem naturally, but also it's possible to eventually get off thyroid hormone if it was, if hypothyroidism was really sparked by something you did yourself, which is me. I was following the conventional diet. I was over-exercising, doing chronic cardio. At the time, when I look back, I go, oh, I totally gave myself thyroid hormone, uh, a, th a thyroid problem. And how do I know that? Because my labs were indicative of euthyroid sick syndrome, which is essentially you're starving. Wow. And I want to give the primal perspective on that. So the reason paleo primal is so important here, it's not about just the diet and, and like, oh, that's a gimmick and you just clean out your diet because of the lifestyle component, meaning getting fat adapted and having that blood glucose be steady. You are now not triggering the cortisol response to be antagonistic to hormones and thyroid. So that's one portion of it. But the other side of it too is, you know, yes, you are, you know, cleaning up your gut hopefully and doing these things. Um, stress in any form, like you've talked about before, just, you know, getting dings all day on your phone, lack of sleep, all of that stuff is related. Um, I firmly believe like the reverse T3 problems, they're about 14% on the rise. People get them all the time. And here's a primal perspective. It can happen with a marathon runner. Let's say you're training for a marathon and you're running too much, or you're running at a pace that's really over 75% of your max. And that's in a sugar burning zone. Maybe you're not eating the right macros or enough food. Here's the primal perspective. Oh my God, this chick is starving. Yeah. And we're running from danger. We're going to shut this crap down right now with her thyroid because A, she can't afford to get pregnant because she can't feed a baby. So we're, we're going to knock that possibility out. We're going to lower her sex drive, right? Lower her, her inability to conceive even. And if she does conceive, we might give her a miscarriage. Yeah. Um, the, other, the other side of the starving is, oh my gosh, she doesn't have enough food. We don't want to give her any more of this metabolically fat-burning T3 hormone until she's out of danger because she needs to keep the fat on her body now while she's starving. So an over-dieting nightmare dealio with over-exercising, which is what I totally did trying to achieve a certain body that I thought that's the only way you could get there because that was the paradigm at the time. And you know what? That launched me right into hypothyroidism. Makes and maybe sense. that's why I had a better chance of getting off thyroid hormone because mine was self-induced versus it's not in my family. I don't have Hashimoto's. None of my relatives do. Do you know what I mean? So that kind of maybe makes it a little bit more likely that someone like me was able to get off of it after 13 years. But at the end of the day, that's the primal perspective. So you've got to look at what messages are you sending? And you mentioned on, on our podcast about, you know, that – the phone coming up, like, right, like you get the dings all day long, even that can create a flight or flight, you know, fight or flight response. And I always tell people this, and I mentioned in my book, it's like, let's say a coworker annoyed you, and you call up one friend and you're bitching about it. Do you call five more people and talk to every friend about that and relive that conversation, that annoying thing with that coworker? Just because FYI, every time you do, your brain doesn't know the difference between that actually happening or being a past event, you're still triggering the same stress hormones. We have a part in this. We are responsible. Another really small thing is, I'm, and I'm so aware of this just because of my experience, I've had adrenal fatigue twice. Um, when you're driving and someone cuts you off, you know how you get that like, oof, you know, like heart drops in your stomach, your you know, blood starts pumping, right? You got like adrenaline and cortisol because it was a near accident and, and you're in that state. So it's up to you at that point because 
that response is probably going to start to flood cortisol for about another 10 minutes. Are are you going to continue it? Do you know what I'm saying there, Evan? It's like, and that's when, so when I'm in those situations, because they happen, you know, I'm driving in LA, someone tries to cut me off. Oh, (laughs) you know, I, I actually really tell myself in that moment, breathe it out. You're okay. It's not, everything's fine, you know, but then there are people that can be in that car going, yes, son of a beat. Exactly. So, so we have, we really can participate in this. And so why would we want to do that? Because you don't want the cortisol to go much longer than it should, because that's going to be antagonistic to testosterone, to thyroid, to everything. It's sending an inflammatory message. And that's another reason why this is my whole opinion on paleoprimal. The reason it's so optimal is a, it's just a, human diet dictated by our DNA and genetics. But aside from that, it's the ultimate in adrenal management and blood glucose management. Those things are absolutely necessary for proper thyroid function and metabolism. So oftentimes patients that are hypothyroid for a while will become insulin resistant. And it happened to me. I had an HbA1c of 5.7. And that's that's kind of the bummer here is because people might even find the right doctor. They might even get that, get on the right thyroid hormone and then they're feeling good. Like they have no symptoms, but then they're like, how do I burn this fat? And, and that's where they don't know what to do. And oftentimes that person in that state is insulin resistant. They have become that also type two diabetics. They often get thyroid problems. This is all hand in hand with the blood glucose, right? So let me so let me restate that in another way. So you're saying if someone's like, oh man, I'm just really not able to burn fat, you're saying the thyroid's back in check. The next step you're going to say as well could be could be insulin resistance. It's still there even if thyroid has gotten back into range. Is that right? Is that, that what you were saying? That's right because you you might not have any like thy, hypothyroid symptoms. Like your brain's working again. You have energy, right? You know your your adrenals are back. But now you're like, how do I? get rid of this stupid weight I gained while I was hypothyroid. And at that point, I always say, aside from testing the HbA1c, because it's going to dictate then what your diet's going to be. Um, and again, you know, paleoprimals, even a low carb paradigm, you might have to go a little bit lower. Um, not only just that, of course, all the things you talk about on your podcast as well, you know, candida, EBV, you know, heavy metals, all of these things are related. So of course, it's cleaning up all of those areas and looking to see where things might need to be improved, along with what what we just talked about. Right, right. So if this were to happen all over again, I mean, everything you did is, it, it it's all part of your journey, right? I mean, yep. let's just say, you started over though, or let's say this happened again. Now you're off of, of thyroid drugs completely. And I want to ask a little bit more about how the keto and stuff's going. But if you were to go back into the state you were before, let's say reverse T3 was back up. Let's say uh, TSH was elevated again. Let's say your free T3 dropped. Would you try to just make more diet lifestyle modifications or would you go back on like a T3 or an NDT? Well, if I could go back to the first order, you know, like when I first started getting symptoms, if I knew what I knew now, I would follow all the protocols in my book. Uh, and then some that weren't even mentioned there, I would, you know, like really get tested for heavy metals and do that. I would have, I I would just follow all of the natural protocols and I guarantee you, I would have nipped it in the bud. I guarantee it because, well, and I'm proof of that now because I did it over time, even while on thyroid hormone, meaning got rid of these underlying things while my thyroid was being replaced by medication. And then once I got off that medication, now the foundation and the primordial soup of what's going on in my body is prepared for natural, you know, good thyroid hormone function. 
right? So, and I'm not saying, you know, everyone on thyroid hormone, when you, when you get fixed up, try to get off it. But again, it just shows you that when you resolve those underlying issues. So I would have tried to do all of that first. And I didn't know what to do. So I would have supplemented with iron. I would have gotten my ferritin up. I would have taken selenium. You know, I would have chilled out on the exercise. I would have eaten more fat. I was doing a low-fat, low-carb paradigm, which never works. I would have gotten off the hypoglycemic train. I was so hypoglycemic. And I want to tell them, people sometimes say it's in my book, an objection, like, oh, well, I'm hypoglycemic. So I can't, you know, go primal paleo and get fat adapted because I could never go like five, six, eight hours without food. And my answer is you're hypoglycemic because you're a sugar burner. And the only way to fix the hypoglycemia is to adopt a paleo primal paradigm, right? right? That's the only way out of it. So, but often, you know, hypothyroid patients are in this situation. So not only do you have this disease state that's now caused maybe all these other problems, fibroids, polycystic ovarian syndrome, or if you're a guy, low sex drive, not waking up with erections when you should be of the age of that happening, um, men to low testosterone, right? And not being able to recover low sex drive, low energy. That's how it manifests with them. Um, so, you know, I, I think that I would have, you know, I'd be where I am now had I followed what I advised people to follow in my book. If you'd like to try to fix it naturally first, that's exactly what I would have done. And I didn't know better. And the only option after two years of being sick and her, you know, just in a, pool of misery was to go on thyroid hormone at the time. And I'm so glad I did. So no regrets there, obviously. But yeah, if I could go back in time, I would have followed my own advice in the book. So you maybe could have, you're saying you maybe could have omitted the thyroid drug period. Oh, absolutely. I'm absolutely convinced that if I had just solved these other things, you know what I mean? And people weren't even taking probiotics then. Like, you know what I mean? Like 13, 14 years ago, people weren't even kind of really talking about gut health and all these other things. Um, I will say, though, too, and I know we briefly mentioned on my podcast, you know, big sign of gut stuff. I mean, it happens with thyroid patients. They often get very constipated. Um, Any kind of gut stuff, though, it's like, you know, because you've got bloating and gas, and that's not normal, people. It's normal to emit some gas, but it should be little and it shouldn't be chronic. And if you've got that, doesn't not saying you have a thyroid problem, but you got some gut issues that you need to look at. So, um, and I know, you know, that's true. It's just not normal to have awful gas. If you're walking around feeling like you have to hold it in or, and I had those moments too during that time. So, you know, again, had I attacked it from a functional protocol, then, um, I, 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 I think I would have been able to stay off thyroid hormone. Totally. So for people that And there's lots of people who've done that, by the way. So many people I know who've done that. They've just gotten themselves into a bad state state with diet and lifestyle, and thyroid looks crappy, and then they turn it around quickly. So let me ask you the order of operations just to make sure I'm hearing it correctly. If you were on thyroid drugs, then you'd want to do as much as you can, the diet, the lifestyle, et cetera, working on infections, a lot of the things that you and I already chatted about. Once you can start working on symptoms, so let's say you've got many of the hypo symptoms. If you're talking about hypo, a lot of the hypo symptoms are gone. Then at that time, you would start weaning off. Like you don't ever, you wouldn't ever just drop the thyroid hormone. You'd always wean off of it after you fix the symptoms by doing the the functional approach. Is that right? Well, that's interesting because there's lots of ways to do it. So let's say you're fixed, you're normal, you're great, you're on thyroid hormone, you fixed all the problems, and now you're like, all right, maybe I'd like to try to see if this is possible. Because of the long-lasting nature of T4 only – Sorry, T4 in a – whether by itself, Synthroid, or T4-T3 combination, and I do want to interject that – 
a T4, T3 combination is the most ideal and is the most endocrine mimicry and T4 only in Synthroid often fails people. Yeah. The reason why quickly is because our thyroid glands when working normal, normally, they output about 80% T4, about 20% T3, and about 40% of that T4 is going to be converted into T3. So again, you know, it's even more endocrine mimicry to have some T3. So desiccated is ideal or compounded T4, T3. So you could you could wean off of the T4 and and or you could stop it altogether. I mean, it just really depends on how you and your doctor want to do that. Sometimes when you have a reverse T3 problem, people have to get rid of the T4 and let it get out of their body first before starting T3 or while they're doing that. And sometimes people drop it all together and start T3. Sometimes people wean off and then start T3. I weaned off and then started T3. To get off it entirely, I think it's a little easier with T3 only because when you're taking T3 only in amounts that completely replace your thyroid, you have zero TSH and zero T4 pretty much, 0.0001, the most suppressed. In my opinion, and this is just again a personal experience here, as I went more low carb, which makes you more T3 efficient, that's a whole nother discussion, but as, as you become, you become more calorically efficient, you become more T3 efficient, your body needs less T3. So what happened was I kept reducing my dose of T3 and then I'd reduce it. And then I noticed that a few days later, I'd feel like it was too much and I kept reducing. And so I'm assuming that as I was reducing the T3 that gave my brain uh, the wherewithal to go, whoa, she's got no T4 in there. Let's get this going. And it woke up and actually it was almost seamless. I kept dropping my T3 down to the point where I was finally on five micrograms. Now at that point I was ready. I had the bottles of nature through desiccated, ready to transition back to desiccated after all those years. Wow. Um, and then I had this inkling and I had this gut vibe and I was like, wait a minute. I'm only on five micrograms and I feel pretty damn good. What the hell is happening? And that's when I really had the gut feeling that my own thyroid was coming back. And so I went and got tested and spoke with my doctor and we were like, and in fact, he, the first test, like the day after I let go of that five microgram dose, my thyroid was calibrated at a pretty, like it was pretty outstanding to see those levels so quickly in someone who had gotten off thyroid hormone. That is so cool. So back to so the T4. To me, T4. it was a little easier. I think it was easier for T3 only. Maybe it's a little bit easier. I'm not saying people should go on T3 only and then try to get off of it, but hopefully I understand some of the nuances there. So in terms of like T4 only, if we're talking about just straight Synthroid, have you mm -hmm. heard of people, do they just go in cold turkey on that? Or even with T4, it seems like weaning would make more sense. What, what's your take? Well, it's interesting. So it's the... This happens in the reverse way when you start to dose thyroid hormones. You can never reach your optimal dose right away. It takes some time to build up, and you can do that on the way out too. But here's a nuance to that. So one of the problems with dosing is when, let's say someone starts Synthroid or any thyroid hormone replacement, they'll give that patient like an introductory dose. And then like that patient won't come back for three, four months or a year, and then they'll feel even worse and more hypothyroid than they were before they came in there. Yep. And then they go, ah, it's not working. I'm going to give up. That happens all the time. No, what happened was, is you just gave yourself enough thyroid to kind of start shutting down the feedback loop that's happening between the TSH and your thyroid. And so that's why it's very important that people starting thyroid hormone kind of get tested every three, four weeks and continue up that ladder to optimization in a timely fashion. If you get tested too long in between, you can experience a drop. 
So you'll feel better. You'll be like, oh, I started thyroid hormone. I'm feeling good. And then like two months go by and you're like, now I feel even worse. And that's really because you're hypothyroid. You haven't gotten up to your optimal dose yet. And on your way up, you started to shut down half the process and made yourself even more hypothyroid. Does that make sense? Yeah. So it's, let me, so let me clarify. Yeah, it's not a long thing. It's just a timely, like timely manner thing. Okay. So let me clarify. So if somebody goes on Synthroid, so that's straight T4, you're saying if they start to feel a little bit better, maybe the conversion process is happening. Maybe not. Who knows what's going on with the adrenals, gut infections, et cetera. But if some sort of conversion of uh, inactive T4 to active T3 happens, good, they may feel better. But then you're saying after a couple months, maybe the, there's issues with conversion. So therefore, they still feel terrible. And this is why continuing to just up, 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 up the Synthroid, double and tripling the original dose of Synthroid still will not fix it because you've got the conversion issues and other stuff at play. Is that right? Actually, I think you might have misinterpreted me. So so let me clarify. So the reason, so let's say I'm hypothyroid, my levels are all terrible. It's like all awful. And I start taking thyroid hormone. I start taking one grain of natural desiccated thyroid, like 65 milligrams. Very few people are optimized on such a low dose. Very few. So if I start taking that, it's going to shut down because once I've introduced some T3 into my body, it's going to start to shut down the process a little bit about what's going on or even T4, you're now taking over. And so as you're kind of taking over the process, the process is slowing down naturally in your body. And as it slows down, if you don't pick up and dose in a timely manner in terms of upping your dose to optimization, then you will suffer along the way. You might have a dip. So for example, I talked to one person who literally was just put on an entry-level dose for like a year and they felt horrible. And I'm like, well, why didn't you ever go back to get tested? The doc- and again, this comes down to patient compliance. You got to make sure, put it in your iPhone. All right, just started armor. Great. Four weeks from now, I'm getting my blood test and we're going to see based on temps, symptoms, and based on my labs, do I need an increase from there? If I do, great. You take that. Then you wait another four weeks, get tested again. If you don't do that in a timely manner, you can have those dips where it feels worse. Because again, you are shutting down the natural process, which might have already been screwed up to begin with, but you can make yourself even more hypo. And there's nothing wrong with that. This is a natural process in terms of taking over. You are exogenously, right, taking over and control of your thyroid productivity. You're shutting down your own and replacing it. So in the replacement of it, it needs to be done in a timely manner. It's one of the biggest fails of doctors out there to not in a timely manner test and work on upping the dose. Got it. Okay, let me ask Incrementally, this. yeah. All right, so like with the desiccated thyroid, I know you'll have like a mix of T4, T3 typically in those, but if you're doing just a straight Synthroid, just straight T4, is that also going to downregulate this natural process that you're talking about, or is this only with not T4? Not as much. T- okay. Well, not as much because when you introduce T3, yeah. that will really shut down the TSH signal. Um, with T4, with Synthroid, they still wouldn't put you on like a high dose right away. It would still be a matter of because T4 is a pro-hormone, it sort of a has a longer life in the body, right? So it will take a little while to build up. You don't just like jam someone with like 180 micrograms of T4 on the first shot out of the gate. You would start them off at like a lower dose, maybe be 50 micrograms. And then, you know, you still should go back and get tested, right? And continue on that way. I don't suggest that anyone go to Synthroid as a first order of business, but I will say this. The doctor in my book has noticed through his clinical experience that if you are on T4 only, it is best to be on the brand name Synthroid. In fact, the doctor on my book, Dr. Forsman, 
it's the only drug that he prescribes that he will not prescribe generically. He has seen so many issues with liver uh, levels and thyroid levels being all over the place on generic level thyroxine. So everyone out there, if you're on T4 only and it's working for you, that's great. Or if it's not working for you, either way, you might want to switch to the brand name. Okay, so right not to oversimplify, but in terms of getting on and off of thyroid drugs, it does seem like it's a bit more simple if you've just been on straight Synthroid for a period of time versus a T4, T3. It sounds like there's less um, recalibration, if you will. If, if, you're, if, you've ju- like if you're listening, you've just been on Synthroid, now you're trying to back down or off of that and go holistic with your treatment, it sounds like it's more simple, but maybe I'm, maybe I'm oversimplifying it. it. It's still going to be a process because... Well, and again, I think the T3 was more seamless just because in the way that T3 only works with how it suppresses TSH and T4, I feel like it was a smoother transition off of it. It might not be such a smooth transition off of T4 only. Again, you can have the same problems you would have on your way up. On the way down, you might experience some hypothyroidism until you're completely off of it, and then your body's had a chance. T4 is out of your body, so then your body has a chance to go, "Uh uh-oh, they don't have any. Let's start creating this process. Right. Let's start. Get, let's get back in action. Um, and, you know, ideally, again, you go to an endocrinologist, they're just going to give you Synthroid. It's almost like the first order of business. Yeah. And it's just not endocrine mimicry. It's really not the best first choice. The best first choice, in my opinion, is natural desiccated thyroid. And then from there, you can make adjustments. There are people who are on natural desiccated thyroid and need to add a little T4 to their dose or a little T3. There's all sorts of adjustments you can make there. Um now, it can take up to three months to recalibrate a thyroid. So again, there could be some suffering going on as someone's trying to move forward. And so, you know what I mean? It's a, it's a risky business. Um, you know what I mean? You could yep. suffer a little bit until things get better and you have to be willing to do that. While I was writing my book, I did not want to transition to nature thyroid at the time because I was like, well, what if I have another reverse T3 problem or, you know, or, and it doesn't work and it backfires and I have to go back on T3. I didn't want my brain to be hypo while I was finishing a book and doing press for it. So I waited until after that when I was like, all right, I'm willing to risk it now because if I, <laughs> if I get hypo, I don't have to talk to anyone, you know what I mean? Right. And so, so I, I waited. Um, so again, it's still a risky endeavor. Right. I could, it could have failed. Yeah. For sure. Wow. Well, I, I don't know what it is about you and I, but the first hour I did with you in getting interviewed for your podcast and now me interviewing you, this hour has flown by. I don't know what in the world we've got going on here, why time is flying so quickly. We've entered a, a time portal, it seems, Barely scratched the surface, yeah. <laughs> I know, I know, but it's so great. Well, definitely, same thing you said to me. I'll definitely have to have you back because I, I do want to hear more once you've got more time uh, playing around with keto and more time away from the thyroid hormones. The first time in 13 years that you've done that, I mean, that's just really, really cool. So I definitely want to hear more of a follow-up, maybe late this summer, something like that. We can chat again because I want to inspire and give people more hope about the possibility of getting off of drugs because a lot of times it is sort of a a sentence well here's your synthroid or here's your levothyroxine and you'll be on this for the rest of your life good luck have a great day you know it's just nuts so i really and i do want to throw out there's a big misconception and i'm happy to talk to you about in depth another time and i hopefully will talk about it soon on a couple other podcasts but there's a big misconception that low carb causes thyroid problems and or ketogenic lifestyle causes yes. hypothyroidism. This is 
100% not true. I would love to have a whole discussion about this. This is something I will add to the second edition of my book as well. There are so many nuances to it. I discussed a little bit about it on the Rob Wolf podcast, but in general, that's a mis- big misconception out there that I feel really needs to be cleared up as well. So, um, however, that being said, I don't want anyone out there who, if you're hypothyroid or you think you are, or you're pretty sure you are, don't try to jump into ketosis. A, it's not going to work. B, it's really not the best first protocol to go to for anybody. Ketosis is really reserved for people who've already been fat adapted, been there for a while, or an emergency situation where like you're approaching type 2 diabetes and you got to like nip it in the bud immediately. Other than that, I don't like people to go, oh, I'll just go keto. You know, it's not really a smart move. You will suffer uh, from that if you don't ease into it. Yes, that's what what you mean by it won't work. You'll just feel terrible if you try to go straight to it. Right. And in a hypothyroid state, it won't work anyway. Like just the fat burning mechanisms are all wrong. So it won't get completely turned around just by that. So, um, it's, um, it's certainly a low carb paradigm is something to adopt, but jumping right into ketosis from any state of being is probably not a good idea. It makes perfect sense. Well said, well said. Awesome. Well, L people can check out your book is the best. Where's the best place to get it? Is Amazon okay? Or do you have a special location where people can No, Amazon is amazon.com, the paleothyroid solution, and also, uh, Barnes and Noble stores everywhere. And everyone is feel, feel free to contact me at my website, lrust.com. And people who are inquiring about thyroid stuff, you don't even have to buy my book. I email everyone a huge list of here are the right tests. Here's a way to find the right doctor. You know, here are some podcasts, you know, uh, give them as much I spent so much money, you know, money I didn't have. You go broke trying to figure this stuff out. It is a disaster. And my whole thing is, look, I, yes, I would love to sell books, but I'm, I want to give as mon- many people as much free information as possible to get on the right path. So even if you don't want to buy my book, you can contact me and I'll send you some free info. You ought to send me that template. I'd love to read, I will. read through what you've come up with. L- I will email that to you. L, yeah. I appreciate it. You're awesome. Thank you for the book. I loved it. It was one of my favorite, favorite reads. I mean, like I said, when you, when you look at a title and you hear paleothyroid, you think, oh, this is going to be about how paleo diet helps thyroid. But it was a thousand times more in-depth than that. So I definitely suggest people go pick it up. And we'll we'll chat again, I'm sure, later this year. Thank you so much for having me. I love your podcast. Take care. Thank you, L. Bye. Bye. It's always fun to connect with people who secretly have been listening to your show the whole time. <laughs> so, L, thanks for coming on. I hope you all enjoyed having L on the show. You'll have to check out the podcast that I did for the Primal Blueprint podcast. Once it comes out, I'll probably republish it onto this show just to make sure that you all hear it. But I was on fire that day, and I think it was one of the best interviews I've given in quite some time. That'll be on the Primal Blueprint podcast, so that'll be cool. Uh, Connect with Mark Sisson's audience. And if you want to schedule a 15-minute free introductory call, see if you and I are a good fit for each other, see if my functional medicine approach can help address the root cause of your health issues, then you can book that at my website, evanbrand.com. And I've actually got a nutritional therapy practitioner on staff now, and I will be interviewing her and at least giving you a taste of what she's all about. But she is now my new client coordinator. So when you get onto the phone, you'll be chatting with her, or if you get on Skype, you'll chat with her. Her name's Megan. She'll be on the show soon to introduce herself more thoroughly, but 
I've been booked out almost a month and I've really had to speed up the process of getting people in because I just don't like people to suffer and wait that long. So she's really helping me with the flow of doing those introductory calls. So that's who you'll chat with. She's awesome. And I think you will really get along. That's when you schedule that 15 minute call, that's who you'll talk to. So evanbrand.com. And when you when you click on shop up there on my new website, you'll see my new Aura Roots line. This is a whole new custom manufacturing herbal, mostly organic as much as possible, wildcrafted herbal formulas that I've created. I'm using these with my clients. Incredible success rates. You can learn more at my site, auraroots.com. That's A-U-R-A roots with an S, R-O-O-T-S, auraroots.com. Check it out. Take care. Bye. Yeah, I it's all good, yeah, like everything's cool Kiss a girl good night and let me please her She doesn't have a clue that these terrible rules Why I'm in the tire, got to watch out, girl Don't wanna see her by her eyes out, girl Cause I've been watching, you've been hurting Let me be the one that loves you better